Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to Seen Any Good Films Lately, the podcast featuring some of the major figures in awards season 2022 and their recommendations of what to watch. It's described as a space opera. It's, it's quite kitsch, you know, and, but I was um, so frightened by the opening credits that I fainted. My main guest today is actress Claire Rushbrook currently starring in BAFTA-nominated, BIFA-winning film Ali and Ava, opposite Adil Akhtar and directed by Clio Barnard. We'll be talking to Claire about her very welcome return to a major role in British movies, her biggest since she starred for Mike Lee as Brenda Blethyn's daughter, Roxanne, in Secrets and Lies back in 1996. Oh, tense went to college. Mm, what did you study? Optometry. What's that then? It's to do with the eye, isn't it? That's right. Testing. Mm. And you're giving that all up now, have you? Not exactly. <laughs> what are you doing working in a cardboard box factory then? I'm doing research. Oh. That's interesting. What sort of research? Medical. What are you looking at her head? <laughs> <laughs> Take the notice. There's nothing wrong with her head. Did you go to university? Yeah. Did you do a degree? Yes, I did. She just looks at our eyes, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> what for? Well, you can tell a lot about people from looking at their eyes. That's true. Can you? Windows to your soul. That's a nice way of putting it, Jane. It's true, though, ain't it? Right. Who wants a top up? Hortense? No, thanks. I'm driving. Yes, please, sweetheart. Yeah, Morris. Oi, greedy guts. <laughs> you want to take a leaf out of her book, Paul? Lost his licence. All right, ma'am. Why did you have an accident, Paul? Just there weren't too many, that's all. There you go. The demon drinky. Is that who you've been going out with, then? Yes. She thought I'd been seeing a blow. (laughs) (laughs) Could have been, I suppose. I can still turn a few heads. Turn stomachs. (laughs) Oh, Oh. the (laughs) cheek! I think it's gone off now. It's just playing. Did you pop my little tents? Oh, well, we might as well pop the lot, then. I'm interviewing Mike Lee on stage at Jewish Book Week on Sunday, February the 27th at King's Place here in London. So I'm sure we'll talk about that film. I'm going to definitely talk about it with Claire Rushbrook. And of course, we'll talk about Ali and Ava right after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Yeah, I've been binging on some Mike Lee films in preparation for that interview. And I've also been watching a few other bits started watching Inventing Anna on Netflix, which I can't say I'll be hurrying to finish. I mean, it's all very competent and the first couple of episodes are fine. I just wasn't that interested in the character and the story that some of the uh, supporting cast performances I I enjoyed. But I thought she was a bit overplayed, the lead by Julia Garner. And I thought it was another somewhat rubbish depiction of a journalist, supposed to be this kind of great sort of New York source-checking journalist by Bayana Chomsky, and it didn't work for me. Uh, And after the Tinder swindler, which I mentioned a couple of episodes ago on Netflix, I'm beginning to see this pattern emerge. Uh, And with Emily in Paris, it's there on Netflix too. These three shows, which I've been watching, they're obsessed with Instagram. They're obsessed with social media and with phones and with depicting that narrative on screen. Look, I know it's very much where we're all at as a society right now, but I don't really know what it means. It's just I've never seen it so intensely and regularly depicted on screen as part of our narrative. 
Does it work as a drama showing what's on our phones? Is it dramatic? What is on our phones? It's about our digital imprint and digital footprint and our digital tracing systems that we're all on WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram and socials and Twitter. And that's sort of how the world works. But do we need filmed content to show us that? I do think it's fascinating as a storytelling trend. I don't really know what it means. And it, it seems to me that Netflix are very aware that that's where their audience are. You know, in the old days, people would worry about the cinema foyer and the buzz that you would get in the foyer afterwards and the word of mouth in the cinemas. But now it's about that chatter online. And these shows are obsessed with influencers and their own influence and how they're going to be trending themselves. That's how they, they mark their audience in terms of how it's trending, in terms of its influence online. I think that's really interesting how we measure audience and engagement and how it's being depicted itself in the films that are then going to be talked about and influenceable online. That's what I'm seeing in Inventing Anna, Emily in Paris and The Tinder Swindler. For some uh, more old-fashioned approaches to storytelling on screen, go for The Duke, which is Jim Broadbent uh, at his open-hearted, everyman best, playing eccentric Kempton Bunton, who steals the portrait of the Duke of Wellington by Goya from the National Gallery in 1961. It's the subject of Roger Michel's scrumptious Ealing-style comedy. It, of course, turned out to be Roger Michel's last movie. He died um, in September. And it gives us, I suppose, a pattern of poignancy when you watch the film again. It's a charming film, and it's sometimes a bit overdone even in the English 60s stereotypes, but very rarely, and it's always for a cause, for a comic cause or for a, uh, a sort of reference cause. And I think there's a bitter edge to Roger Michel at his best, and that's in here, in this comedy. I did speak to Roger and to Jim Broadbent when the film premiered, oh, so long ago now it feels, at Venice in 2020, late August 2020. And we talked about this near-forgotten story of an art theft that once gripped Britain. Through Nikki Benth Bentham, the producer, yeah. who, and she, I'd never heard of this story. And in fact, I don't think Jim had either. No. Um, and, and yet it's clearly well, quite a well-known story. Well, it was in 1963 because yeah. they put it into Doctor No. Yeah. But had you heard of it? I'd never heard of it, no. no. And I didn't, yeah. I'd seen Doctor No many times and I yeah. didn't know that that was the, the I, joke. I, I do remember that bit of Doctor No. It's sort of weird, isn't it? So, so that's in the script, you didn't put that bit in? That's no. in the script. So we didn't drop that into Doctor No. No, no, that's actually from Doctor No. That yeah. Clip. yeah. And, and you, you didn't know the gentleman at all? No, Newton. no. And I mean, I'm of an age where I might just, I mean, I was a bit, I suppose about 11, 12 while it was yeah. all unfolding, but I obviously wasn't reading the papers or absorbing them. But um, I suppose people a bit older than me will will remember it a bit more. I quite like that Pathé are doing this, they did misbehaviour. So this ripped from the headlines element of these kind of quaint stories. I mean, it's, it's got, it seemed to me it had something of the Ealing comedy that's a, that's to a, it. Yeah. Is that, was that one of your models? Or? Yeah, it is, it's, it's like an eating comedy and it's a social comedy. It's about a small man speaking truth to power. It, yeah. it ticks lots of those boxes. But it's also like those um, great, you know, early 60s films from the north by Carol Rice and you know, Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, The Sporting Life. It's, yeah. it's very much that world as well. So I wanted to find a line which straddled both those great British traditions, the sort of vaguely social realist thing alongside what's evidently a comedy of manners which 
shouldn't be taken too seriously. No, and a, and a rather lo- a sort of lovely love story in a way. The marriage yeah. is what kicked. I mean, without yeah. the marriage, he'd be in right trouble, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a appalling husband. <laughs> Blatantly lied to his wife at any given moment, but but clearly totally besotted, and you know, and and she put up with him. So. Yeah. I love it. I love it when they put the picture of of, of the the actual gentleman at the end. You know, I yeah, mean, I like that. But, but it, it, it couldn't be anyone else but you. Oh, Roger, it. it looks like that, more like Roger, <laughs> <laughs> but um, without the beard. But the um, no, I I, 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 I identified with him completely from the word go. I thought I love playing him. I didn't. I said I wouldn't make the film without Jim. Yeah. I mean, there's just no point in making that film without Jim Broadbent. <laughs> And thank God, Jim Broadbent felt the same way yeah. about it. And could you do, do what about the acting? It's hard on the Newcastle one. I yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of that was my main struggle in the whole thing, like to get that reasonably convincing. Yeah. But um, so, and, and but then that informed the whole character anyway, and his his manner and his delivery. And and I think Richard, being he was he probably had a has a good ear for writing um, dialogue that has a yeah, as a sort of Geordie vernacular. Mm. So that was that informed the whole thing. There is nothing more powerful than when a community discovers what it cares about. And when a man accepts our essential interdependence, in that moment he or she becomes a woman or a man, as the case may be. How many have you got? The petition's only one part of the campaign. Three. I will just set up. Captain Button. That's not even a real name. Rome wasn't built in a day, Jackie. The late Roger Michel and the excellent Jim Broadbent talking about the Duke there, which is out in cinemas now and very worth it for Jim's brilliant performance. I think harshly overlooked uh, by the BAFTAs, I think. A bit unlucky. And also to say farewell to Roger Michel, he of Notting Hill, The Mother, Enduring Love, Venus, Louis Kent, many, many more films as well. A real craftsman of characters on screen. Okay, let's bring on the star guest of the week, and that's Claire Rushbrook, currently starring in Ali and Ava, directed by Claire Barnard, nominated for Outstanding British Film at the BAFTAs. And Claire is back on the big screen so many years after Secrets and Lies and Under the Skin. And it's a great performance in a lovely film about a Bradford set, interracial, late-blooming romance between Adil Akhtar's Muslim divorcee and DJ and Claire's white working-class grandma, who meets Ali in the school playground where she works as a teaching assistant. And the two of them, despite the tensions of those around them, find love in Bradford. Look at this. Look at this. That's Matty Lee. Matty Lee? Oh, you... Got 
That's Claire Rushbrook and Adil Akhtar in Ali and Ava. It's a film I featured on my Cannes special from July last year with Adil. But it's out in cinemas on March the 4th. And so it's with great pleasure that we can now say hello, Claire Rushbrook. Hello, Jason. How lovely to see you. You look amazing. You look really well and bright and fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be on your podcast. I love it. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I'm very pleased you're on it because I loved you in uh, Ali and Ava. It was so good to see you on screen. I was so, I didn't know when I, I saw it, like in Cannes, you know, it's quite secret really before you see things in Cannes. And there oh, right. you are, popped up and I was like, oh my God, look at her face. It's so exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Was it a um, bit like, was it a bit like, oh, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm in a, I'm not going to say a big part again, a big movie again, but it felt like, I don't know, it felt like I hadn't seen you in this sort of role for so long. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've not, I've not been in that sort of role ever, sort of <laughs> playing a, a love story, but yeah, being, I don't know what happened really with, because I did quite a few films when I started out with, you know, Mike Lee and Karen Adler and, and then, you know, I think I had kids or, did telly anyway it kind of there was quite a big hiatus yeah did it then, oh uh, god I don't I don't mean to sort of round that home I was like well where have you been since bloody under oh, no, the skin? no 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 that's what I've been doing like life and kids and and just sort of like blah blah it's really exciting to get when I got this script and then yeah to answer your question to see it it's a buzz yeah <laughs> was it a little bit trepidatious I mean look you've been acting all that time since I know you've been doing theatre and telly and we have seen you, you know, popping up, but was it a bit like, Oh my God, I've got the, the lead in a massive, in a, in what is a, a, a big part. You don't know if it's going to be a massive film at any point, but when it suddenly gets selected at Cannes, you're like, mm, it's quite a deal. I felt very excited and very sort of ready. Um, but I think the beauty of sort of working with Clio and what I try and sort of just have as an approach anyway, is to forget about all that stuff I mean it's I sound like a wanker but even to the point where when we were filming it it sort of was it was a it's it's silly to say but it sort of surprised me that there was a film at the end of it because the the joy of it the 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 delight of the experience was was in the making of it and the fact that it's a beautiful film is is a happy sort of bonus I sort of wouldn't mind it if you know the film if no one saw the film (laughs) The film wasn't made. Just the, the process, the process was as much uh, of a was was the main pleasure. Yeah, it always is, really. Yeah, it always is. is that, um, does that go back to Mike Lee? I mean, let's go all the way back to '96. Does that that, that that's a process, isn't it? Doing Mike Lee, especially in his heyday of '96 when it was all yeah. like six months rehearsal, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it just goes back beyond beyond that. Yeah, to just being a love of the delight of of acting and sort of having opportunities to do that. Yeah, working with Mike was, uh, you know, was a unique experience that I've not, you know, not, no, no one else tries to recreate. I think, and uh, you know, it's unique to him, where um, you have the luxury of all those months of just layering, layering, layering a character in sort of rigorous detail, and that sort of really being very, very much part of what you know what you're doing on on set when it comes to filming it. Whereas Ali and Ava was quite the opposite, really. I, 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 I did research. A little I gave a lot of thought and you know you used a lot of empathy thinking about the character I was playing Avo's complex character who's got a complex history but um, really for me it was an exercise and it is more and more actually it, you know as I, as I work and get older and staying relaxed and being truly sort of open to the environment we were working in this brilliant locations brilliant house all the stuff in it hmm. 
you know, I, I use that so much. And, and then of course, more than anything, just being open to being with, you know, who you're working with and what you give each other. Yeah. So uh, an uninhibited or unrestricted by prep or research or all the things that you might have done they've just been yeah did you bring did you meet someone like Ava did you as you say you immersed yourself in that environment that house and I know that you immersed yourself in Bradford where it's shot yeah. you know do you did you go out and meet people like her is there a, yeah, is there a basis mean, for her yeah Ava Ali and Ava are, are inspired by real two people that Clio uh knows and and met several years ago I, I met i met the woman who in, inspires the character she was very uh very generous let me in a home let me drink her wine and uh <laughs> uh just hang out i didn't really uh pick her brains much i just hung out with her just got yeah relaxed and let it all sort of just you know go in and mm. and also i've got um family my husband's from huddersfield down the road so Spent a lot of time up there uh, with a lot of, you know, women who who had qualities that definitely, you know, Ava has. So, yeah, it's just an exercise in, in, in staying open so that things, people can pop, you know, pop in and, and, and you can use that. Well, all of that comes across, if I'm honest, you know, you're watching it, right. you feel that. And, I, you know, you feel that about her character, but you feel about that as your performance as well. And I feel it's a performance that grows as 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 the film grows and 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 as Ava grows in confidence in herself because it's really about her reawakening isn't it with this I suppose Ali kind of gives her a new a new lease of life in in so many different ways a, a new perspective on on relations and relationships I mean I can see as as Claire I can see myself uh, relaxing as you know gaining confidence as the the film progresses I think uh you know, I'm, I'm well cast in that respect, that I'm quite a tentative, cautious person, but I'm also, you know, also, you know, strong. And I think the beauty of playing this part, and it's the same for, you know, Adil playing Ali, is that the characters have, they have circumstances around them that are obstacles to this connection that they found developing, but also they have, you know, obstacles within themselves. And so Ava's you know, she, she, you know, she, her last partner was, you know, vile, you know, abusive and, uh, you know, an uh, ugly, you know, had an ugly stance on things and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's died and um, obviously there's a, he's left a legacy on her and how she views herself, but also, you know, Clara's written a wonderful character because she's found the, the strength to, you know, not only maintain and run this family and this house, this extended family, but also she's, you know, got herself a degree. She's taught herself, uh, you know, given herself an education. She works, and then yeah, we see her, her allowing herself. Well, can't she can't help but sort of allow herself to be charmed and yeah. beguiled by um, this very genuine, gentle guy. And and it's you know and it's funny like she just laughs she likes yeah. to laugh. Well, she's open at that moment to receiving him, I guess. You know, maybe she met yeah. him six months before it wouldn't wouldn't have registered, and she wasn't ready. And uh, what's he like, Adil? He, Adil was on my can show. Uh, it was I great know. to have him there. Um, what, what's he like? Well, I mean, I, I thought he, we had a lovely time speaking to him. I, he, you know, he's, I always think he's very funny and he's great to have on screen. But you know, a very serious man off screen and very, takes his craft obviously very very seriously as he should. Yeah. I think I think you 
you know, that's that's a really good summary. But, I mean, he's very eloquent, isn't he? Yeah. He's really good on your podcast. <laughs> I feel like there, going, yeah, there, it was nice. <laughs> but yeah, he's he is a serious guy. There's no doubt, and um, he's a private uh, guy who works very quietly. You know, he'd often just take himself, you know, away to be quiet. But um, I'm I'm quite the op- well. I chose to be for this uh, quite gregarious and keep I like mucking about anyway I don't I, I, you know and I, and actually I sort of need to otherwise I seize up so uh, when the cameras roll so although I say that about him he was also you know very playful very up for being being uh, keeping it light uh, he's very sort of beguiling character really because yeah he's he's very kind very generous and uh, you know authentic and genuine but you know yeah, quite enigmatic. Yeah. It's very, yeah, very, it's very interesting. It's, and very like, good to work around on a project yeah. like this where you sort of have to keep stuff held back from each other. It works. Yes. I, yeah, it's a very good uh, sort of synergy and dance that you do. It's almost like choreographic, emotionally yeah. choreographed, isn't it? it, it it's funny, Claire, because I was, um, I, I'm seeing Mike Lee on Sunday. At oh, are you? Week. Yeah, we're doing a, a big interview on, with him at a sort of career thing, and um, and obviously I've been looking at some of his old stuff, and of course, obviously Secrets of Lies pops up, and I've just been looking at a few scenes of Secrets of Lies, but you're you're in, obviously, brilliantly, Roxanne, uh, she's a wonderful creation as well, and then I suddenly, and then of course there's the, there's some scenes with you and Marianne John Baptiste, you know, the all slightly again, you know, and I suddenly thought, oh my god, they, I've, and I've just seen Ali and Ava, and there you are again performing a sort of uh, a, a white and dark <laughs> routine in a way kind of coming to terms with relations and, and relatives and race relations mm-hmm. they're very subtly you know and it's there in Ali and Ava but they're unspoken in both of them really it's not really that's not really what it's about it's about connection so I thought that was a I, I immediately drew a connection between the two and then what are they 30 it was for quite a long yeah. time. I don't want to scare yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long That's time. So interesting. Ago. Yeah, I had, I had, I'd not made that connection, but I th- think you're absolutely right. You know, and both Roxanne uh, and Ava. You know, the be- beautiful thing about Ali and Ava is that you know when when we see them in isolation together, you know, the connection and the grow, the depth of the feeling between them that grows through the film is is un, you know, unfettered by. You know the complication, the potential ugliness of of you know what other people might have yeah. to say or feel, but you know it has to be acknowledged. I think that um, you know the character of Ava, you know she chose she fell in love with with her ex, um, who who you know had very questionable well had uh, you know awful politics. So what's it about her that allowed herself to fall in love with him um, and 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 you know, there's conversations that Clive's written it very carefully and beautifully uh, that those issues don't aren't focused on, aren't sort of, you know, we're not whacked around the head with them, but, you know, they're, they're there. And if they're not sort of um, addressed in the film, then then they would have to be at some at some point, you know. And it's the same with Roxanne. You know, you're playing someone who just doesn't, who, who has, you know, a level of ignorance, really, and you know, preconceptions that are quite, quite wrong. But I've, you know, I've played far, you know, I've played serial <laughs> killers and found a way in, so. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, do, do people still talk to you about, I mean, I'm talking to you about Secrets and Lies, but obviously Mike's in my, in my thoughts for, for this coming week, but, you know, it, it's such a 
such a brilliant it still stands as a brilliant film you know and you know th- th- it's got some fantastic lines in it and there's tim and brenda and marianne and and yourself now back in the top at the top of the movie game you know such a wonderful such a wonderful uh germ to to move on from you know that, that oh, film. yeah yeah it was it was a gift and it absolutely was uh formative in 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 te- you know and how i learned to be an actor really because it was the you know the first filming really I'd ever done and I learned so much from Mike about you know how to conduct yourself how how uh, as like I said how to be on set brilliant cinematographer Dick Pope you know amazing crew who all uh were brilliant you know and then above and beyond being brilliant at their jobs brilliant at being empathetic and supportive to you know the actors who are doing this stuff so it I think about I think about Mike a lot and yeah and I'm will be eternally proud that I, that I got given that. I, yeah. I, I, I love it. So I'm going to talk to him about it on Sunday. And I'll tell, yeah. it, I'll tell him you're thinking of him. I'm sure he'll be thinking yeah. of you yeah. too. I just watched the barbecue scene just about just a few minutes ago. And that's just, yeah. it's just brilliant. I mean, the locked off shot of the Dick Pope you mentioned, you know, it's just still mm-hmm. and Tim moves in with a sausage and a steak yeah. every now and then. Yeah. And then you get, and Roxanne coming out with, oh yeah, you know, she's just nibbling away at Brenda. Yeah. It's just great. I mean, that's a case in point actually of, of my naivety as, as a film actress like no one had told me about the um the amount of takes required in a scene with so many actors you've got the wide shot perhaps from different angles and then everyone's got single and obviously it's a big barbecue eating scene and my character you know she's not coy about how she looks or her, her appetite you know so I made the decision and also just look nice <laughs> so, so I made the decision early on that she'd get proper stuck in so I think, I mean, you know, because it was the wide shot and then like 10, 10 shots later, I'm burgered and sausaged up to, I mean, yeah, it was, oh, it was an ordeal. Because um, <laughs> you've got to keep I, eating for continuity. Yeah, yeah, I mean, now I understand. Now I'm one of those actors that you see all the time just pushing a bit of lettuce around, but at the time it was like, <laughs> all day. So um, I, yeah, that's what I mean. That's the sort of thing I, I learned a lot. Listen, that is a key acting skill that they probably don't teach you, but rather, you know, this is just yeah. eat and nibble it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What was the first film you ever saw at the cinema, Claire Rushbrook? I, I'm going to say, and I know a lot of your guests will have will have said similar. I think it was the, the original Snow White, you know, a long time ago. Um, and, uh, you know, that was very little. But I think the first truly memorable experience I had was, and I'm embarrassed because today I Googled it to see when Flash Gordon came out. Yeah. And in my mind, I was very young, but in fact, I'd have been nine or 10, so not that young. That's young enough. Um, it's described as a space opera. It's, it's quite kitsch, you know, and, but I was um, so frightened by the opening credits, I think, that I fainted. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like mom, I remember my mum being very cross because she, she'd made a big effort to drag me and my brother to the next town to see this uh, film. Where was this? And Letchworth mm. in Hertfordshire, so North Hearts. It's a beautiful cinema. It's still there now. It's called the Broadway. It's been re- it's a it's an Art Deco one that's oh, now yes. being refurbished, like so many of them have beautifully. But at the time, it was a real like you know shithole. It was like velvet seats and we, everyone was smoking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, not really. That's why you fainted. Too much to yeah. cut. <laughs> it's just the sheer violence of uh, Flash Gordon, the space opera. 
was too much for my 10 year old soul to bear oh with that <laughs> queen soundtrack it's mike hodges directing it actually yeah we've done get carter like proper yeah proper filmmaking you know yeah. but we don't know Brian that at the Blessed. time yeah oh gordon's alive <laughs> yeah yeah all of that yeah, yeah brilliant film first. brilliant film is that is there a film that changed your life either from watching it or, or from being in it. I know we've spoken about Secrets and Lies, which are obviously yeah. quite formative to you. I think I, w- I would have said uh, Secrets and Lies, but I think, um, I mean, I really think I do. I need, I need to stick with that, really, because yeah. it was, you know, I was 23. I just left uh, college and, uh, you know, on a professional level, it, it opened a lot of uh, wonderful doors, you know, for me to then work with Karen Adler, and, you know, on Under the Skin or... Uh, loads of like good stuff followed that but also yeah it can't be underestimated you know how how it formed me as a sort of you know as as an actor and and even now you know he's rigorous for example about keeping your character quite separate from your yourself you know and at the end of a scene you know one of the first things he he says to his actors is come out of character I suppose because you have the potential to spend so long in character with him with long improvisations and uh, the long rehearsal period. So it's imperative to him that people are quite clear what's acting, what isn't. And I think it's a very healthy tool to 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 use. And so I've always sort of tried to adhere by that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say Secrets and Eyes was really formative. Listen, it's formative to me is watching it as well. It's just a, yeah. I've always, lo- always loved it. Um, going quick fire now on you, Claire Rush. But Go on. Did you have a film poster on your wall as a teenager? I- no, I didn't. I didn't. Films when I was growing up weren't really on my radar, I'm afraid. Uh, so no, didn't you got any now? Uh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I'm. Uh, I really like being in them, and I quite like watching them. But being in them is the is the, the best it's bit the of fun. it. The one on, for Ali and Ava is very beautiful, and it, you can't even tell it's you. So you could probably put that up without being too proud. <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> if I could give you the power of time travel, and you could go and visit any film set that's. That, that you know, fil- filming, shooting. Where would you drop into? Again, you've spoken about it a lot, but West Side Story was hugely influential for me. I adore it, the original, and I would just sit quietly in the shadows and watch everything Rita Moreno did oh. because fucking hell, she's just um, was so influential. Well, I didn't know it. I didn't know she was being influential at the time, but I just she blew my mind and continues to. But I think as a young girl watching um you know I've always been more interested in Rizzo rather than Sandy and you know Anita <laughs> rather than Maria so watching these women just on the side um being dark and brilliant and amazing and dangerous and exciting it's been uh yeah I love oh, that, that would so be I would you like the new one you like the new West Side oh, I've not seen it yet oh, oh, there's so many Go and see I know, it I know. in I the just, cinema. It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, kids and... I know, I but they'll love it too. Night to watch... Yeah, yeah. What did you I watch last night? I sat down to watch um, Petit Maman last night and, uh, and I gave up because it was just a constant, like, clapping junction of the kids coming <laughs> in with... And I can't... I thought I can't do do it disservice. So there's many films and that's top of the list, West Side Story. Great. Well, have, you, have you ever fallen in love at the movies? No. Yeah. I had... I thought... I've fallen in... I had a weird experience where I sort of fell out of love watching Brief Encounter. Well, I I was I had a boyfriend who was a real film buff, and we were we'd split up or we were splitting up, and he took me to Brief Encounter, and that was very um, very confusing. Yes, because you're like, well, <laughs> what, what are you trying to tell me here with this, yeah, this unrequited yeah. thing going on? Yeah, well, he, and it's sort of you're like, you want unrequited? I'm going to get unrequited. I'm leaving. 
yeah. <laughs> I'm getting on the train. I'm off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's troubling. But no, I've fallen in love with that with with uh, you know actors. And yeah, actors. who? Uh, I fell in love. I think this will answer one of related questions too. There's two actresses, no singers actually, in pop promos that I think do some of the finest acting I've ever seen, and I've sort of fell in love with them both. First is uh, Agnita in the Winner Takes It All video. Oh yes, what a good choice. It's just sublime. Um, just the simplicity of um, telling, saying the words, leaving yourself alone, being honest, being direct to the camera, being vulnerable. I just think she she nailed it, and I come back to it all the time. And also, um, of course, Sinead O'Connor in Nothing Compares to You again, just sublime. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's something. So uh, it's really difficult to to be you know to to lose all tension in, you know in your face to be relaxed whilst truthfully feeling these feelings and just doing it um, and I try and sometimes I I do it too well and more than once directors say that's that's a beautiful take Claire but can you like close your mouth because <laughs> I try so hard to just be <laughs> <laughs> it all goes a bit floppy. So yeah, let's go again with your mouth shut, Claire. So I think, I think when you say your your answer, those are your sort of favourite screen musical moments. You're, you're saying yeah, they're great well. answers, great answers. Yeah. I've never had those, yeah. as you know. You've probably been listening you too much, and you know exactly. Yeah. Great answers. I'm going to close you with one last one. What's your favourite cinema? And if not the favourite cinema, I know you mentioned one earlier. Like the maybe the best screening you've ever been to in a cinema. I was. It, enormously affected and grateful for the screening that we had for Ali and Ava, which we finished at the end of December. No, we finished in December 19. So we then had the pandemic in between it being released. So the first time I got to see it was a screening which the our producer Tracy O'Riordan laid on just for Adil and I in a very little um, screening room in Soho. But I had had two years of wondering about uh, the film my performance, the vulnerabilities that we discussed earlier. And I felt, and I still do feel quite sensitive about, you know, mm. the film, very delighted about it. But I was to be afforded the luxury of just a quiet, uh, intimate screening for us both without any of the bollocks that goes around it was uh, was very welcome. And I, and, I, and obviously I, I was thrilled. With oh, I, I don't blame you. Is in Soho Screening Rooms, the little the little blue think, one I on think Darby so. Street? I, yeah. yeah, 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 I think so, yeah. Um, so just very small, intimate and um, private, yeah. yeah. And now I want everyone to see it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, out of that little moment comes a big expansion. It's going wide. It's going to be released. It's nominated at the BAFTAs as well as Outstanding British Film. Fantastic. I think you were well hard done by not being nominated as Best Actress. Oh, Anna. thank you. Yeah, I thought when Adil got read out as Best Actor... I thought brilliant. I thought, well, they know they've obviously seen the film, and and it, it's Claire Rushbrook's time. Yeah. But um, you know what? I think oh, there'll be another time after this. That's one. very kind. That's in the meantime, I shall uh, applaud Adil loudly. Yeah, and the film, obviously, you know, got, got a very good chance. It's Indeed. great. It's so lovely to see you back on screen. So lovely to have you on the show and have an excuse to have you on the show, Claire Rushbrook. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Jason. Lovely to see you. Bye. Oh, it's just fabulous to see Claire back in action. Ali and Ava in UK cinemas March the 4th and at the BAFTAs on March the 13th, as will I be on the red carpet covering it for BBC News. So we'll be building up to that on the show next week with another nominee 
from my favourite film of all of 2021, the amazing documentary Summer of Soul. Yes, I've got Amir Questlove Thompson on the show for you next week. Yes, he of the roots. Uh, Before we go, there are just a couple of others this week that I've seen. And we should talk about uh, a Swiss set realist drama called La Mif. It's set in a girl's home where trouble flares up after uh, a forbidden a uh, bit of sexual intercourse between two teenagers. I, I, look, I liked it. I, I felt that I've seen this sort of thing before, but it's very nicely put together, very edited from naturalistic sort of, I suppose, uh, improvised performances, very strong young performances. I think of films like The Class by Laurent Conté. I think of Girlhood by Céline Sciamma or even Rocks by Sarah Gavron here. And it's in that sort of area. It's called La Mif, which is backslang for La Famille. Because these girls form their own bonds, their own family, their famille, their myth. So um, I think it's seen it translated as the fam. You know, it's that kind of thing, la myth, fam. So uh, that's worth checking out for how it captures some very powerful moments of drama and tenderness between uh, female leads and female performers there. Also out this week, is, finally, is Cyrano. Cyrano. Cyrano? Serrano? <laughs> I don't know. It's Joe Wright's flouncy, frilly musical with Peter Dinklage on fantastic form as the swashbuckling officer who can't woo Roxanne in person but tries it through the many letters and poetry he pens for the handsome young soldier she thinks she's falling for. The Sicilian locations and the production design are fabulous, swooningly, romantically so. There's the costumes, the set pieces in the theatre, all of that. Joe Wright does it with swagger and confidence and beauty. He's great at it. But, 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 it is a little bit over-romantic. It's a little bit too sickly with the violins, if you ask me. It's a bit of a flake advert at times. And the dance routines, well, I I thought they were a bit silly. I know what you're trying to do, they're romantic, but they don't really come together. And the music by The National... It's it's not really memorable or hummable for me. It doesn't really feel apt to the material. Not for me. And so I wanted to love it, and I wanted to come out on air, on the wings of love, indeed. I just didn't. Although I've got nothing but admiration for Peter Dinklage in it, for the swooning and for the swooping, and for the yards of fabric that went into the neck curtains and the dresses and the furniture. Look, you can tell me what you think just from this clip. Let, let's leave with the uh, the romantic someone to say from Cyrano. I'll be back next week. Until then, thanks to Claire Rushbrook, my guest, and to Kate Dawkins for putting it all together as ever. Back here next week with Summer of Soul. See ya. Mm-hmm.